Hello, welcome to Brownline Church's Midweek Podcast. I'm Vince, and I'm here with Kyle. Hello. And today we are joined by a special guest, uh, our friend and uh, member of Brownline's uh, financial board, Joey Rodill. Hi, Joey. Hello. Joey uh, is joining us as we continue Sunday's conversation about queer insights on God and faith. Uh, Joey uh, is uh, somebody who identifies as queer and as a person of faith, and so we wanted to get his insights. He's somebody who was a part of our church uh, a number of years back and has stayed connected and now is, is, is uh, graciously helping us on our financial board uh, from afar. And uh, we've really valued his insights as a theologian, uh, as somebody who's, uh, who's been in seminary, and so we're excited to continue the conversation with him. Uh, Joey, you were listening in uh, uh, for our topic on Sunday, and I wanted to ask you, uh, what stands out to you, or what do you want to talk about next? Sure, sure. Um, first, it was a great, great talk. Um, I think there's things in there that definitely need to be addressed within the church. Um, and I think the thing that, one of the things that stood out the most is the binary concept and how mm. we should just totally not think of theology or even church in the concepts of binary, um, just because our individual journeys, I think, and just transformations of ourselves, there's so many complexities. And so mm-hmm. trying to fit yourself in those just make it even more complex. Mm-hmm. But when you're trying to figure out like your identity, you know, like, for instance, like me as a queer, like I identify as queer as well. So trying to fit myself in those boxes can gives me more stress and just takes me away from the idea that, you know, um, where do I fit in theology as a queer, as a gay man? Or, you know, yeah. So I think just helping find your identity, specifically in church um, and in the theological framework, binary just can't. I'm gonna say it can't work. It can't mm. work. You know, I wonder, Joey. For me, I, when I think about what you're talking about, I think that there's a sense of even my my sense of identity in Jesus. Like, who who am I? is an incredibly uh, dynamic thing of like, who does God see me as? And the sense of being, um, navigating life uh, in relationship with him. To me, there was a version of that that I used to think of as very binary. It was a very much like, uh, there are those who uh, have it and those that ha- that those that don't have that relationship, those that are in, those that are out, and thus, the way that you begin to, I was thinking about the process of my relationship with God, it was far less relational and it was far more about meeting the check boxes. It was, you know, am I doing those things to stay in a binary? And moving away from that has actually felt really helpful for me because then it becomes my relationship with Jesus is not about meeting a checklist. It's actually about engaging in a dynamic way for me. And it's often a sense of like relationship building. It's a sense of asking for guidance in all sorts of things that like don't exist in the check checkbox world. You know what I mean? And like even just di- how like I just had a work meeting and like, how am I navigating and caring and connecting with the people I work with? How are we honoring each other in this phone call uh, is not exactly a binary conversation. And thus it has allowed right. kind of this robust like identity of somebody who is loved by God to kind of filter into a much more like holistic part of my life. 
Yeah, I mean, that really gets back to the heart of what Rebecca was bringing us to on Sunday, which is binaries make it harder to relate because when when they, they limit the options that are there for you, um, it actually makes it, it or interestingly, it makes it... Um, this is maybe this is going to sound wrong, but it makes it like too easy, you know, because you, you just have like these two choices. But that doesn't actually mean that you're building relationship if we're talking about a relationship with God. And what's interesting to me is we we kind of like are ready to embrace this in in so many ways, like in, in almost every aspect of life. But for some reason, faith, spirituality is like this sticking point where we insist on binaries. and And that's just so interesting to me. Culturally speaking, we we're we're ready to blow up lots of binaries, but but not here, and and particularly when it comes to matters of sex. I laugh when you said it makes it too easy because it's a sense of like for somebody like myself, it makes it pretty easy to stay within that the binary of like what faith is saying I should be. I just need to be like a married straight white Christian man. Mm. Therefore, what do I need? Where is Jesus challenging me right now? Uh, I guess like just don't have an affair and I'm good. Like it's uh like it's a, it's the, the bar, but then there's other people like Joey in this conversation where actually that binary is impossible. Like you, like you, you're asking wonderfully a said. kind of change wonderfully that said. Is, is just not even on the table. And so for somebody like me, there is no challenge that Jesus is really offering in my life in this binary way. And that for other people, the challenge that is placed upon them is actually like, I, so I constantly think about what Jesus says to the Pharisees about placing a burden on people that they cannot carry. It's like that version of, of the binary. Like you, need to jump a wall that is impossible for you to jump and then for us that are in here actually get to just kind of wade in the water of the status quo because there isn't much challenge for us to stay within here right right and i think like so that's so great that you say that because the status quo tells us like we should love one another right and i think one of the things when i started to just like transform my thinking and like just walking through when I'm trying to break down the binaries that I used to live with um I started to fall in love with people more Mm. when I started to like dismantle binary yeah like I started to like get rid of check boxes that you're talking about earlier of like people and placing them places and like placing them in these camps like oh just like in my own world like you're a boys town gay like you're like this other type of gay or you know and so it's fascinating right so like i'm just i when i was able to break down some of those binaries i would fall in love with people more because i would be looking at them and like with them right Mm -hmm. looking for more from them other than where i'm placing them and so, like, I just, my eyes were open to, like, loving people more and, like, falling in love with them. And sometimes when we think about falling in love, we're like, oh, we're falling in love with people, like, with our wives or, like, girlfriends, boyfriends, um, partners, spouses, like, whoever. But, like, falling in love with strangers, I found, is, like, one of the most incredible things um, when you break down, like, the ideas of what relationships in churches can look like or are or what they were so i love that i think it's a 
you know, part of what a binary does is, you know, you're categorizing like a binary is you have a category over here and a category over there and you fall into one of those two categories and categorizing things by their nature uh, depersonalizes them. And I think this is the thing that allows us to lose empathy and compassion. It's a sense of like, uh, you know, you know, historically for me as a Christian, as I was growing up as a sense of like, there's a lack of accountability I have towards non-Christians, like those people over mm. there, I categorize them. And so I don't meet them. I think you see this in any kind of categorization when you depersonalize the human and put them in a category then you are no longer interacting with them as a human you're interacting with them as like a sense of category oh i can disregard that because you are a you are the you know and therefore i don't accept but then when you're actually a human being like that's a person and what i believe to be firmly true is a, a human being that is the image of god incarnate like you are a living image of who god is there's a sense of like oh you're not whatever category the binary is the falling us into you're actually a unique individual with a unique image of who jesus is and in the same way that we talk about falling in love with jesus like we can fall in love with that with each other because joey and you i see a picture of jesus that i don't see anywhere else and then vince i see a picture of jesus that i don't see anywhere else and because that's i have an image of jesus too i actually see a version of myself and understand myself better by relating and connecting to you and that doesn't happen when we're existing in the categories of binary Rebecca said something on Sunday uh, as we were talking about her her second insight of um, how powerful it is to to feel that that Psalm 139 phrase of being fearfully and wonderfully made when you, you when you've had so many messages that suggest that you're broken um, and she she mentioned like this uh, I mean it's something I, I think it's been it, it's been a thread throughout uh, a lot of the things that we teach but um, knowing yourself more fully allows you to know God more fully. Um, and so, um, I, I'm struck by even what we're talking about here, how there's an internal part of it, um, a, as well as the external part of it, of you're saying, like, when we don't see binaries, when we look out at the rest of the world, it allows us to fall in love more readily with other human beings and, 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 and see Jesus in them. And then also the, the internal side of it, it allows us to see God more fully in ourselves when we no longer have to use those binaries to, to self-identify. Joey, uh, I'm wondering if you found yourself um, wanting to uh, what, like, what to talk about next after after listening in on uh, on the insights that we brought up. Like, what what's the next conversation? Ooh, that's hard. Um, the next conversation. So, I mean, after addressing like queer inclusivity and what that means, and breaking down like you know, binaries and um, what you said, there's still work that needs to be done in the queer communities. Mm. Um, like transgender, I call my transgender siblings, right? And so they are still persecuted. They are still oppressed within the queer community. So I can't even imagine outside of that, right? And so like that's the next conversation for me is like, how are we uplifting their voices and making them heard and making them known and treated like yeah we have pride i think one of the most difficult things for me during this time pride month is it's hard right now for me because i still know that yeah i'm proud to be gay i'm proud to be queer but knowing that my transgender siblings are being murdered daily like um what am i doing like what am i doing and then on top of that what does the church do right what are, what is the church doing about 
transgender murders and transgender oppression um, and bringing their voices forward in, you know, public spaces or space, community spaces, because you know, they're still set aside. So I feel like that's, um, that's a very important um, conversation piece for the next. I think there's a sense of uh, understanding that Jesus lives wherever we see oppression, whenever we see uh, evil showing itself through the exclusion of others. Um, that like the the Holy Spirit lives in 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 those places, and so I think for us to be looking what God is doing and where God is working, it is important for us to not fall into the kind of malaise of you know. I talked a little a few weeks ago about the conversation around racism, but it's just true in general about like a sense of morality, which is we think about it like tonsils, you either have it or you don't have it. And so there's a sense of like, you know, I got my racism removed. I like, we addressed this issue uh, and now I get to move on opposed to the sense of, of oral or moral hygiene. It's actually a constant process for us to be thinking about what do I need to do each day uh, to step forward to this. And I think one of the easiest kind of cues for us is to say, where do we see oppression happening right now? And if I'm wanting to draw close to what God is doing, looking for those places and stepping into those is probably as, as good of a cue as anything for us to think about that. And I think what you're talking about in terms of the, the specific and acute oppression and marginalization and violence directed towards trans friends and is one of those places to be like, yeah, I, I believe Jesus is existing there because Jesus exists where oppression exists because he is fighting actively against it. It almost gets back to our conversation about binaries in a way of it when we talk about um, groups of people. It, I mean, it's it's useful to some degree. It is helpful to talk about the LGBTQ community. It is helpful to talk about the black community. It's helpful to talk about the white community when we're talking about what uh, needs to change and ways that we need that, you know, groups need to repent or groups need to be lifted up when they've been um, uh, under the foot of society so much. But even that uh, falls short talking about groups of people because it kind of gets into that same trap that talking about binaries gets into, which is not all people are a monolith. And then even within groups, there is stratification and there is classism and there is in groups and out groups and power groups and non-powerful groups, even within a group that is largely in one sense, non-powerful in a larger sense. And, um, and you know, I, I, I think again, just about this you know, we, we return again and again and again to Jesus as the willing scapegoat. Jesus is the one who who uh, is always standing in front of um, the sword to protect a, a a non-powerful person and to and to expose the the cruelty and the and 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 whatever religious extremism or corruption is on the on the part of the powerful. And um, and if we can see. Jesus there, what it, what it does is the exact same thing that you were talking about earlier, Joey, which is pulling us out of things that make it harder for us to see human beings and, and, and pulling us into something that allows us to see more specifically each unique plight. And, and that means that we're not drawing, um, you know, we're not taking whatever power we do have and carving out, well, with my power, I'm going to oppress so-and-so, you know, because, you know, the, I'm, I, I feel so, so under the thumb uh, by these others, but I, I've, I've, you know, I've got to let off my steam somehow. Jesus breaks that cycle. So we don't do that. Um, but it is, it, 
I mean, again, Kyle, as you're saying it, it's the, it's, it's more brushing your teeth than it is removing your tonsils, right? Like to do that, to truly press in, to truly stay at it when there is such, you know, deeply hidden oppression going on, you know, like how, how hidden from the mainstream and from the public discourse is the plight of, of, uh, of trans brothers and sisters, right? You know, like, like that is really, really, it, it, it is not out there. And so you have to dig, you have to keep at it. You have to, as the moment you feel like you've like, oh, you know, maybe I can pat myself on the back because I was there for somebody who was hurt. You turn and there's millions of more people who are hurt. And so, you know, this is, this isn't a game that we can, that we can like trust our egos to guide us in. We just have to continually humble ourselves, continually humble ourselves. And I mean, that, that's a hard road, but, but it's a worthy road. I got a question for you, Joey. I'm, I'm just curious in the vein of, of the conversation we had with Rebecca for you, um, is there anything for you in your lens or your experience as as a gay man in that process from, you know, uh, like over the last 10 years of your life or even in seminary as you're uh, like studying and researching and uh, doing work, wrestling with what does it look like to see Jesus from your own lens and perspective? Is there anything that you think uh, you kind of see uniquely about God or where he lives and how that exists that uh, maybe without work, um, somebody like myself, uh, who is straight would not necessarily see that lens that something in your own experience has felt like a picture of who Jesus is, has opened up in, in some, some way that would be helpful for others to, to hear that voice. Oh, yeah, that's very, that's an interesting question. Um, so from, this might be a little bit radical, <laughs> but I think one of the things that I have learned, like, so experience, like I go by a lot of experience when I experience, and I think when I look at a drag queen, I see Jesus. And Mm -hmm. why do I see Jesus when I look at a drag queen? It's because the drag queen sometimes to the queer community is that spokesperson. Is that person that is giving the light um, and that has like bypassed binaries, right? Going in and out of drag, right? And so I like kind of situate that where Jesus comes in and out of humanity and divinity, right? Mm. And so just Jesus being human and Jesus being divine, those lines are so blurred and intertwined that to me, that's what a drag queen represents. So when I look at a drag queen, I'm like, that's the Jesus of this community right now. Because they're out there and they're, they don't care what they dress like, what they look like, who they're going to offend. Mm. They can be sassy, crass, but at the same time, they will stand up for the queer community and say, hey, and people will listen. Now, whether we like them or not, I mean, that's the story of Jesus, right? Whether you like Jesus or not, <laughs> people, people are going to listen because of what they had to say and they had the mic. And so... I think that brought me beyond like, whoa, like this is radical for me. Thinking of Jesus as a drag queen, if I brought that into some spaces, they'd be like, you hit like, they call me. (laughs) 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 Right? And so I think even being able to look at so many things and think, okay, what are the things that could be radical? But maybe it might not be as radical. And I think that was one of those things, just looking at a drag queen and saying, 
you know, you represent, you call out oppression. Like we have a bunch of grad teams right now calling out boys town for being too white. Mm. For not for not treating black performers, black drag queens, like black bartenders. They are right now they, they just created a black drag council and they have made demands. They're saying we've had enough. Here are our demands. And if you don't go with our demands, we're not gonna perform. And if you take that out of Boys Town, you're not going to have a lot of like entertainment people come through because some people just want to see drag queens. And I'm like, that's Jesus right there. Wow. Making demands on what they see is oppressive. And like, what are you going to do about it? That is fantastic. And, and such a, I mean, once again, bringing it back to where you started us here, Joey, of um, when we blow up any kind of categories whether it's binaries or whatever that are limiting our ability to see jesus at work in other human beings i i think that we're not talking about the historic christian faith right like uh we're talking about some corruption of it that is you know handled by the powerful people who tell us what to believe um but when we are talking about something that expands our world and allows us to see the living god more in 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 the inner workings and the outer workings of other human beings that's when we're talking about jesus that's when we're talking about that god i mean wow what and and i love that i love that you know you're 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 pushing us to see it in places that the you know white straight status quo would not be expecting to see it yes i i think there's a sense of <laughs> You know, what you touched on there is like there's a clear like almost the way that that would um, uh, prick the sentimentality of, um, you know, American white suburban Christianity in particular. Just like the sense of like, like, oh, get this man out this room right here because like, you know, for some reason that, you know, Jesus is upset by, you know, you finding an image of him that inspires you and speaks life and truth. Like, no, none of that right there because you hit a sense of sentimentality. And I think that there's a... It's, it's one of those places that I think one of the other key pieces in binary conversation is that um, a relationship with Jesus is not a binary thing by its very nature because if it if we see it as binary it then becomes deeply cultural because it, the, what we understand is acceptable unacceptable in versus out is a deeply cult it's so tied in with our cultural expectations it's so tied in and so as much of the 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 like what if what would offend somebody about that comment that they would react it's just a deeply cultural thing like they, and it's because their culture has told them that is wrong and that's because in our country in particular we have equated the binary of uh, a conservative american republican um sentiment and then have said in some way that's a stand-in for faith in a lot of ways. And so things that prick that cultural sentimentality all of a sudden somehow feel like they have like some religious irreverence to them. Where opposed to like looking at Jesus' actual life and you're like, hey, Mr. Suburban White Dude, like look at this drag queen's life and look at your life. Then look at Jesus' life. And I want to ask the question... Who here do you think is closer to the radical uh, guy from Nazarene that came in here and challenged the status quo and blew up the religious authorities and g gave his life for the sake of other people? Who is who is that closer to to being that guy or the 
traditional kind of suburban white American Christian. And I think that, but the culture around us feels like that's a radical thing for you to say, even though when you were to actually take a step back and look at it, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that actually is a really helpful metaphor for us to think about what it looks like today. What I was going to say is if you removed all the descriptors from that story, Joey, here is this uh, community and there's a group that's really unhappy with oppression that's happening in this community. And they've, you know, come together and said, like, look, like we're not we're not satisfied with this and we're bringing these demands to the table. Uh, and and you just told that every, every uh, I mean, I, I would assume that every Jesus following person would be like, wow, awesome. And it's only when you add the cultural elements that suddenly it becomes taboo. So I'm, I'm curious here, Joey, um, as, as we as a church are are stepping into kind of a new phase now um, as a church that always kind of practiced LGBTQ inclusion, but is now uh in in our new place is kind of open and communicative about it and it is not it's not something that's just in practice it's in our word it's in uh it's in what we communicate to the whole world around us i'm curious for you uh is there any anything for us that could be helpful for us as a church to be aware of in terms of how we can make our community in this space a place that feels uh, more welcoming um safer uh, communicating like the deep value of inclusion in more than just word, but actually through through the way that we act with each other. I'm just curious if there's any kind of suggestions or feedback uh, you have for us and how we how we can do that better. Yeah, sure. I think um, one way that like a way for that to happen for people to feel comfortable and welcome is for them to see their voice prominent right um if if queers or that like that identification under that umbrella i don't want to you know as um as they said on the talk um you can't put that you can't identify it speak for everyone yeah yeah Mm -hmm. right right i think that um seeing when you go into those spaces and you see somebody with your voice, like somebody who's queer or gay, you're more likely to feel welcome. Um, and when you raise those voices up, I, I think that is that will expand the space for those people to come in and be welcome. Um, and not to be scared to put it out there, like. I know labels are bad, but at the same time, labels can attract people. Like if mm. if they know that somebody is queer that is in the space, um, and that they know that queer person is given the freedom as any other place, especially like a church, to do or like be in leadership or share like the messages, like on Saturday, like. If they can hear themselves and see themselves in those spaces, they will definitely feel a, little, a bit more welcome in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and just support, like what what is the community doing to support uh, safe spaces, right? Safe queer spaces. Um, I mean, out of the corporate pride month, um, like we can't dedicate like <laughs> one month to like, Oh, let's celebrate queer people. No. What are we doing all year long to celebrate queer people? What resources do we have for them? And sometimes 
it is finding resources outside mm. because for somebody to come to again like hearing their voice like who can they talk to that can relate to them um would allow for like them to feel or queers to feel comfortable i guess and i think that's great like having queers on leadership so that can happen right or like having queer resources like that so you can direct them um would speak to you to the care that you are providing even though you can't do it personally you're allowing for the resource to do it i appreciate that that's yeah, that's really good. And it's a it's sort of uh, marching orders, I would say, for our church as we continue in this um, in this you know new chapter of our church's life. Um, and I just wanted to, to say I was, I was sort of struck by um, your your comment. It's sort of the the flip side of our of our binaries conversation uh, where you said, um, you know, labels can be helpful. And I like that. I think that brings really helpful balance to all that we've just been talking about. Um, which is that um, it, it is it is uh, it it is useful when we can see um, in in and not in not in ways that take advantage of of a category or to um, to stereotype or to overgeneralize, but in a way to um, announce uh, permission and in a way to announce space. That's where we see uh, the usefulness of of something like a label. Um, I just see that as as a really great um, interplay with our discussion on binaries. Well, you're you're, you're talking about label as a, as an invitation for inclusion, opposed to label an exclusive yes. as a categorization, which then gives permission for exclusion. It's a sense of like well the, sometimes labeling dehumanizes a person, but sometimes uh, labels offer a voice for inclusion. Legitimizes when, a person. When the person yeah. says, oh, am I welcome here? Is Am I v- validated here to then give labels to say, hey, if this label speaks to you, I want to explicitly say you are welcome and valued. Then all of a sudden it's like, again, it, it's, it's about... What is the power of Jesus? It is the voice of of exalting the humbled and humbling the exalted. And so, if we're using labels to to take communicate a sense of like let's keep the marginalized out or like let's illegitimize somebody, we mm. miss the point. But if we're using a label to exalt the humble, to hey, you know what? You've had a lot of messages that maybe would have communicated that you can't walk into a place like this and assume you're welcome. We just want to label it and call it out and say you are. And it's it's the it's it's what what it's being used for is important. I'm glad you clarified that because yeah, labels are there's a complexity to labels and I mean if I was in a church like before I would be like okay like is anybody gay here is anybody queer here like um, just because you know that's just you want to feel in that in the space too so I mean I think when you lift those voices you might not need those labels mm-hmm. out there because they're already lifted and people can already identify that as oh yeah they like really support like they're, we're we're with them in community we're here with them that makes so much sense well joey this has been awesome thank you so much for continuing the conversation with us and um yeah we're going to we're going to take this all and sit with it and we want all of you who are listening uh to offer your feedback and to continue the conversation with us again you can 
email us at uh, brownlandchurch at gmail.com. Continue to follow the podcast. Continue to keep up the conversation with us on Sundays. And uh, we look forward to our next time with you soon.